Okay, James, welcome back to our Seven Habits series. We're in chapter five. Chapter five is about seeking first to understand and then to be understood. Mm-hmm. So what would you maybe say is like one word or one idea that captures the main thought of this chapter? Well, I would say that the, the one word is empathy. Is that the same word you were thinking? <laughs> no, that's a good one. I was thinking listening. Mm. But put those two together and I think we've got it. <laughs> well, kind of the subtitle, that the habit is called Seek First to Understand, Then to Be Understood. But then there's, on the next page, it says Principles of Empathetic Communication or em- Empathic empathic Communication. How is it spelled on your copy? Yeah, Empathic. <laughs> So I think empathic is actually more technically correct than empathetic. Mm-hmm. So we have, uh, what are the words? We have empathic or empathetic, sympathetic, apathetic. <laughs> what is the difference maybe between empathetic and sympathetic? Those are probably the two more common ones that we hear thrown around. Yeah, I'm not sure when I started thinking more about the whole thing of empathy versus sympathy. It's been a while back. But it's something that I've thought about and feel like is very important. We might have even mentioned it in previous episodes. I'm not sure. But I feel like it's extremely important for a Christian to have empathy. It doesn't mean that you agree with somebody, but you need to at least understand where they're coming from. That's really what it means. Empathy means to understand, not necessarily just to understand like with head knowledge, like, oh, yeah, they feel this because of this, but to actually maybe get down to more of an emotional level of understanding. Mm-hmm. And sympathy is more of a, uh, it's actually mentioned here a little bit later in the chapter, talking about what sympathy is. And sympathy is more as, oh, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. type of thing. It's not necessarily understanding. Uh, sometimes it's not, it's uh, more of a, oh yeah, I've been there too type of thing when you actually haven't. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, that it's very important to to be empathetic or to be empathic, <laughs> if that's the correct term. Mm-hmm. I think that there is definitely a difference between those two terms, although I think they're quite often used interchangeably, but they're not the same word. Yeah. So empathy is more about actually... Oops, I thought I had silence on my computer. Let's try that again. I think, I think the last couple episodes, you've had some sort of notification come in. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I just have my Do Not Disturb set to come on until 7 a.m. pretty much every every day. So, If I did that, I wouldn't know that uh, you're ready to start the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess you could. I guess you could always set up a focus mode that automatically put your computer on do not disturb whenever there is a an entry in our calendar mm, i don't know how to do that well but i could try, I could try it. <laughs> yeah maybe we can do a special for the patrons to show them how to set up focus modes on their uh, devices <laughs> <laughs> empathy is walking in another person's shoes so there's this, uh, a legend that and Indian chief way back when said that you can't know another person until you've walked a day in their moccasins or something like mm-hmm. that. 
which probably was never said, but is uh, somewhat of a romantic idea. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I think that's the idea of empathy is trying to figure out uh, what it would be like to be the other person. Mm -hmm. Sympathy is a little bit what you were saying is feeling for the other person. So someone goes through something bad and we feel sorry for them. And then when we get the two mixed around, then that's just pathetic. So mm -hmm. that's how we can tell the difference. <laughs> And thinking about, well, I said that principles of, of empathic communication, the word that jumped out to me was listening. Mm -hmm. I realized reading through this chapter again that listening is one of those skills uh, that are, is hard to do well and that I really need to work on. But the, <laughs> I don't know if this is just a stereotypical uh, man thing or not, but the way he was talking about how when we hear a problem, we want to diagnose it. We want to fix it. We want to mm -hmm. say, here's what you need to do right away. The tendency to rush in and fix it with good advice, he said, is the opposite of what we're looking for. Do you find that you have that same response? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, there's almost never been a problem I didn't like to try to solve. And so there's a tendency for me to want to try to do that with relationships, too. I think being married has been very helpful. I wouldn't say that LaShonda is one of those classic that you hear where she's maybe complaining, maybe rightfully so. You know, complaining sounds kind of like a bad thing. She's telling me about a problem she's been dealing with and suggests a solution. She's not one of those that gets all sulky and, I just wanted you to listen. She doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I still think that there's been some times where I've realized that, yeah, that's more what she wants is for me to listen and for me to understand. And then if she does want a solution to the problem, then a lot of times she'll ask for it or that sort of thing. So I think that's been very helpful for me to know better that you don't just jump in with a solution right away because, well, for one... I think probably this this the same line you were looking at here, it says, we often fail to take the time to diagnose to really deeply understand the problem first. Yeah. And I think that's something I've gotten maybe a bit better at, not that I am perfect at it, but to kind of slow down, um, I tend to be a very hasty person in some, some areas. Like I want to jump in and fix it now and take care of the problem and move on to the next thing. Instead, to, to kind of slow down, and really understand what the problem is. And sometimes I'll realize that my first instinct, my first solution would have likely not helped the problem, maybe even made it worse. So he says that communication is the most important skill in life. Mm -hmm. I underlined that and sat and thought about that for a while. <laughs> yeah, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty close to true. I couldn't come up with, with a better answer, but Communication is so key to everything that we do in life. One thing that I found interesting about the way that he talked about communication, which there's, you know, this, probably a lot of us have heard that you only communicate with whatever very small percentage of your words and the rest is a lot of other things mm -hmm. like body language. And even he mentions the sounds that we make. So... <laughs> Maybe if we're sighing or or laughing or whatever. But another thing he said was that 
your character is constantly radiating, communicating. Mm -hmm. From it, from your character, in the long run, I've come to instinctively trust or distrust you and your efforts with me. And that was kind of interesting to think about that who I am, my tendencies, the way that I interact with people is my character. Mm -hmm. And that character in the, the long run is what determines whether I'm going to have uh, deep or lasting relationships. And then he talks again about this thing about emotional bank accounts, which I think is really important. He says we need to try to create a commerce between hearts. One thing he says in the empathic listening section is that people don't listen to understand. Mm -hmm. They listen to reply. <laughs> <laughs> Explain what he's getting at there. Yeah, we are not, it's something that I've fallen into myself, is I'm listening and I'm already, I'm listening more so I can craft my own rebuttal or reply to something. <laughs> or somebody is telling me about their day and instead I'm thinking, okay, well how, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about my day and I want to share what I uh, was dealing with mm -hmm. and I'm not actually listening to what they're telling me. And this is something that I've fallen into with my wife is she's telling me about something and I'm totally tuned out either because I'm like sitting there mentally kind of twiddling my thumbs waiting for her to finish talking about what she's talking about so I can move on to what I want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she doesn't feel very listened to or understood when she's telling me about, well, the boys puked and then the other one hit the other one in the head with a toy car and then he had to get a spanking <laughs> and... <laughs> all that that's just not <laughs> and i'm just kind of like well I'm, i want to tell her about this paper cut that i got at work i mean it was serious yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> and why is she telling me about all these frivolous things so yeah it's a tendency i think we all have he says that there are usually four levels that we pick from when we're listening we may be ignoring while we're listening not really listening we may be pretending saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, at the right places. Mm -hmm. We may be uh -huh. selective in our, our list. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we may be selective um, where we only hear the part that's important to us, and suddenly, uh, all right, then we come alive and we're, we're really listening. Or we may even be practicing attentive listening, which is that we're, we're focusing on the words that are being said. But he says there's the fifth way, which is empathic listening. And he gives us several stories in this chapter that I thought were better caliber stories than maybe in some of the other chapters of how communication is actually working, like what the other person's thinking while the first person is talking and so on that kind of give a better idea of what empathic listening is. But listening with your eyes and listening with your heart is a little bit what he's saying about what empathic listening is. What did you... What did you take away from this whole idea of empathic listening? I don't know. Did you learn something new going through it again this time or something that you want to put to practice, something that we can grab a hold of? I think maybe what stuck out to me this time was the whole idea of you need to understand them more than just intellectually. It needs to be emotionally and as somebody who self-identifies as a robot, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
that is not always the easiest thing for me to do. And it takes maybe a bit more conscious effort, like maybe some other people, the emotional thing is easier for them, but then being rational is, is not their first, first thing to be more intellectual and, and think through things. It's more of the feelings. Well, the feelings are harder for me. And so that's something I have to think about. So that stuck out to me, a sentence that I kind of put in brackets. It says, it's not that you agree with someone. It's that you fully, deeply understand that person emotionally as well as intellectually. Uh-huh. And as I've been moving into more responsibility at work, I've been had other people that have been put under my management. And, you know, management just sounds kind of icky, I guess, in some ways. When you manage somebody, you kind of, it's like top down, tell them to go this way and so forth. But I've tried to intentionally listen to people and see what their needs are, what their frustrations are, what they need to help, you know, to, to help them do their job better. And then try to try to go from that versus this is what we're doing now that I'm in charge. Let's 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 get the show on the road type of thing. So I've been trying to implement some of these principles at work. I don't know how successful it's been. I guess you would have to ask some of my people that I'm working <laughs> with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, nobody screamed at me yet. So <laughs> I guess if they do dislike the way that I'm working with them, it's is at least low level anger or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the things that jumped out at me about this idea of empathic listening was how he says that it's it's a paradox in that in order to to influence the situation, which he makes a distinction between influence and manipulation, but in order to influence the situation, I myself have to be influenced. So you have to make it's a it's a place of vulnerability where you're opening up your own heart and your own mind to another point of view, another way of thinking, another way of feeling, mm-hmm. and trying to really take that in not like just like what you said James it's not just this empirical examination of another person's feelings but it's trying to imagine or empathize with how it would be to feel that way yeah and this goes back to what I said earlier how I feel like it's for some reason the last couple years I made I started realizing the importance of empathy in a Christian's interaction with others I found for myself, and I've also noticed it in others, of course, it's always easier to notice in others than in yourself, but I've noticed a lack of empathy, like a type of attitude, like, why is this guy still in the gutter with all of his problems? Why is he making these stupid choices that continue to draw him deeper and deeper into a spiral that doesn't look like it's ending up in a good place? Why is he doing this sort of thing? What an idiot. Why isn't he making better choices? And that's not an empathetic or empathic way of thinking about another person. That's not empathy. Mm-hmm. It's more condemnation from almost more of a Pharisee-like, I think the Lord that I'm not as other men are type of yeah. type of viewpoint. And of course, that's not quite what Covey's talking about here, but I still think the principle of empathy in relationships, but also empathy in thinking about people that are different than yourself is extremely crucial. He talks about four... He calls them autobiographical, if I can get that word out. He talks about four autobiographical responses 
evaluate, probe, advise, and interpret. So these are all what we might say are mm, somewhat judging, uh, not in the sense of criticizing, but just looking at a situation and trying to give a response to it. Whether we evaluating is whether we agree or disagree, probing is asking questions from our frame of reference, advising obviously is giving counsel from our experience, and interpreting is figuring out the other person based on our own, again, our own experience, our own motives, our own behavior. Mm -hmm. And then he gets into some of his stories. I wondered if we would be able to take two minutes here and try to um, give an idea of what this might look like. If you could maybe tell me about a problem that you're having and we could model what is not empathetic conversation and then run through it again and try to model what is a better response. Uh, I'm drawing a total blank of what example to use, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, let's see. There should be something broken in your house or something that's not going quite right uh, with your vehicle or... Yeah. Okay. Well, the, the last couple months I've been taking my Subaru to the shop, it seems like every other week. And I'm starting to wonder if I need to just go ahead and sell the thing or send it to the scrap heap. <laughs> but if that's the case, then I need to also buy another car. And anyway, that's a lot of money. And with interest rates going up and so forth, there's not maybe quite as much spare change around as there used to be. So that's something that's kind of been on my mind lately. Well, Getting a car when you like you already have a, a second one mm-hmm. isn't that isn't that somewhat of a not really a need it's more of just a want like you could probably use the car that you do have and and save up longer to get a better vehicle than uh, than a Subaru then you wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah, but then how is my wife going to run her errands and do the things she needs to do while I'm at work? Well. I think that if you if this was important to you, maybe you and your wife could communicate better to where you would be able to schedule your week. She would be able to do her errands when the vehicle is at home. You would be able to take it to work or maybe even there's someone that you could carpool with. Yeah, that could maybe work, I guess. (laughs) Okay, that's not how I would talk to James on a normal basis. (laughs) 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 okay let's try this again hit me with your hit me with your problem again james well i've kind of been wondering about how i'm going to buy a new vehicle or i guess a used vehicle when my subaru finally dies on us it's been going to the shop lately every other week it seems like and racking up lots of bills fixing this and that and it still feels like it's kind of rattly and falling to pieces and you know right now with the possibility of a recession and interest rates going up and different things like that doesn't feel like now is a great time to spend five to ten thousand dollars on a new vehicle. We probably need to spend more than that because we actually need a van instead of a, a car. <laughs> and so, yeah. Anyway, any advice? Well, that sounds like it would be frustrating and a little bit scary. Big purchases are always something that make me a little nervous. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then James goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> like he could imagine feeling scared or nervous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was my nervous sound. Mm-hmm. 
So that's kind of the idea there. We'd end maybe as well as some of the stories in the book here, but that probably would be how I would respond to James. Would be like, "Oh, well, that's that's frustrating, or that's scary, or mm-hmm. I'm sorry that your your vehicle isn't isn't functioning. That makes things that makes things tougher, especially when you have to go to work and your wife has to to run her errands." So um, mm-hmm. that's the idea behind empathic listening he goes through several different steps on how to train ourselves perhaps to do the empathic listening you want to run through some of those ideas so yeah it has four four stages you can kind of go through and the first one is to mimic what somebody else is saying so sean could have said oh so you're saying that your car is is it's expensive to to keep your car uh running and you you kind of repeat the same thing back to the person. Mm-hmm. You sound a little bit moronic when you do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if the other person is thinking about you doing that. I've I've actually done that a little bit. Not quite. It's not like I'm repeating the same thing, the exact same thing back to the person. Mm-hmm. But I have kind of listening to somebody tell me their woes, something they're dealing with. I've probably done more of a what's the, the what's the second stage where it where you rephrase it and you kind of maybe read between the lines and kind of go to what the conclusion is that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I guess that would maybe be a little bit of the third stage. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so the second stage is to rephrase the content. So you you kind of take what he what somebody means and you put it into your own words. Then the third stage you kind of tell them what you see that they're feeling. So you, if, if somebody's telling you, uh, for instance, you were, you were talking to me about, uh, you know, in your second response to my, my woes about my car, you said, yeah, that sounds, sounds kind of scary in this uncertain economic time. Uh, it's, it's never fun to make big purchases, that sort of thing. That was kind of reflecting the feeling you were in a sense validating my, uncertainty you weren't saying well why what's you know don't be such a big crybaby just man up and deal with it i mean maybe there are times to to do that but you certainly don't start with that (laughs) yeah so the first one is mimic content so just say it the same same way rephrase the content say it in your own words third is reflect feeling so tell them what what you feel like you're getting from them as far as how they're feeling about the situation and then the fourth one is where you combine the second and third. So you rephrase the content and reflect the feeling. So maybe I was actually doing the fourth one, some of the interactions I've had with people. It is not the same thing. And I think this is a tricky thing to get our minds around. But if if James says to me his problem, and then I tell him, oh, I know what it's like to have vehicle problems, but just hang in there and the vehicle problems will eventually be solved. Mm-hmm. That is not the same thing as empathic listening because I'm what I said in that instance was using my point of view, my perspective, my experiences. And that is those first four things that we looked at where it's just an evaluation, a judgment on my part. Mm-hmm. But empathic listening is trying to hear what is James saying right now and what is he feeling? And what I uh, pulled out of what you shared was, you're feeling a little bit afraid about this thing. And so I don't just say, 
uh, you're feeling afraid about buying a car, maybe very, you know, robotically like that, but trying to connect my own heart with yours saying, oh, that sounds like it could be scary to buy a vehicle is different from saying, I know what it's like, hang in there, mm-hmm. or <laughs> James knows this about me. One of my pet peeves is giving a, like a quote or a Bible verse when I tell someone that I'm going through a, a certain circumstance in my life. So I say, this bad thing is happening in my life, and the person responds with, oh, be strong and very courageous because God is good all the time. Mm-hmm. And and that always, or almost always, rubs me the wrong way. So you don't think that God is good all the time? (laughs) (laughs) That's just the thing. I know that God is good all the time. I know that I should be brave and courageous and whatever these things are. Yeah, you shouldn't be such a coward, Sean. Exactly. (laughs) And and I know the other person probably cares about me to some degree, and they want me to know that God is good and to be, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. flying high and all these things. But what I really want the person to say, and and I'm not the, how did you say, stereotypical wife who says, I just want someone to listen. But at the <laughs> same time, I think all humans do want to be heard. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just want the other person to say, I hear you, and I hear that you feel stressed out, and I'm sorry that you're stressed out. And then maybe even going a step further to say, is there something I could do to help with your problem of fear or your problem of anger or your whatever the anxiety or, or mm-hmm. whatever is going through. And you can flip that around exactly and do it in, in the positive way. I'm glad to hear that this thing went through for you and that sounds exciting. I'm sure that you're thrilled about X. You know, it's not just about bad things that we communicate this way. Yeah, I I mean, that's something that I've thought about <laughs> a little bit in my interactions with you, partially because you have told me your frustrations with how people have have responded to some of the some of the issues you've had, especially the last couple of years down in Peru. <laughs> it's not been the easiest couple of years of your life. At least that's kind of what I've picked up. And so that's kind of what I've tried to do. And and you know, sometimes it's un it's 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 done without thinking, but sometimes it is more intentional thinking, okay, here I should instead of saying Oh, you'll be fine. You know, it, it's not but a scratch. You'll be okay. Sure. Instead, I say, oh, man, that really sounds rough. Mm-hmm. Sorry to hear you had to go through that. But then a lot of times I will say, and, and it, it, it's something he says here, you need to diagnose before you before you try to fix the problem. I think sometimes what you can do is instead of saying, this is my solution, you can ask, hey, is there anything I can do to help? Mm-hmm. In other words, if the person wants help, they can say, "Yeah, t- you know, tell me what you would do," or "Yeah, you could do you could do this." Rather than, "Okay, this is your problem. I figured out, you know, six to nine thousand miles away. I figured out exactly what the problem is, and here's the solution." Exactly. <laughs> that sort of thing. And he uses that in a story of a dad working with his teenager in high school, where. When the dad goes for an uh, an empathic response and connects with his son's heart and realizes he's frustrated, he's insecure, he's scared about high school and he's scared about life after high school and some of the big decisions that come, then when he hears all that, at the end of the conversation, uh, the son says, 
yeah, dad, that's, that is how I feel. What do you think I should do? And then finally the dad can, can give his advice and the son is ready to receive it. But if he starts out that way saying, oh, all people go through this in high school, you'll be fine. It's tough. Uh, you'll live through it and and uh, just just hang in there. Or even saying, I believe in you, hang in there. The son is going to be like, no one ever listens to me. You don't care. And mm-hmm. and is then going to clam up. Yeah. One, one thing that I thought about here, and it, it's kind of part of what you were saying as far as you, you have to kind of be vulnerable. You have to open yourself up emotionally to the other person to be able to understand where they are emotionally is we can't just because we understand somebody emotionally doesn't mean that we necessarily tell them, yes, you're right about everything in this situation. Like if somebody's complaining yep. to me about this other person and I'm only hearing it from their side and I'm like, oh yeah, you're totally right. Let's go on the war path after this other person. We both hate him. Yeah. We we don't want to do that. That's That's also wrong. So we need to be careful not to do that. And that is a, a danger. Then one thing you mentioned about how that we we all want to be affirmed or validated. I think you maybe mentioned something like that. There was there was a quote that I underlined, and then I also circled some of the key words. It said next to physical survival, the greatest need of a human being is psychological survival: to be understood, to be affirmed, to be validated, to be appreciated. And that's one of the things that we can do with empathetic listening is we can we can affirm we can validate uh we can show our appreciation for the other person but it doesn't necessarily mean we agree with them yeah and so there then that comes that it's a little bit touchy sometimes how you can you can maybe validate their feelings without saying yes you're totally right like if i'm complaining about i don't know if i'm complaining about the fact that i can't buy a $50,000 SUV because i'm only making like an hour, (laughs) you know, maybe you shouldn't be quite so understanding uh, and affirming there. But yeah, anyway, it's, yeah, it takes some discernment. It is, you can't necessarily just treat every situation exactly the same, but these are general principles that I think work really well. Yeah. And that can be a little tough exactly to, to, to navigate how to do that hearing without uh, fully agreeing. I know, Sometimes I've been able to say, it sounds like you're really frustrated in that situation. It must be tough to know how to how to show love and compassion when you feel that way. Mm-hmm. Then without saying, uh, you're being a jerk also, I can <laughs> kind of just throw in, what do you think about love and compassion from your perspective mm-hmm. without without really trying to throw it down hard? Is there a, before we before we close out here, is there... Uh, a, a key thought that you really want to grab. I wanted to look at uh, the application suggestions before we before we leave the conversation, but I thought sure. maybe there's one thought that you really want to get in here before we get to that. Yeah, there is one, and it's something that I've also thought about in relationships lately, and that's the whole idea of perception. You know, we all perceive the world from our certain vantage point, and everybody else observes the world from a different vantage point. We it, it, it kind of goes back to the first part of the book where he talked about like somebody sees like it's, it's like one of those kind of 
those pictures that you can see one way. You can see the old woman or you can see the young woman. And both people are correct. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that I've thought about. Like, is perception truth? Well, not necessarily. In other words, the way that I'm seeing the situation is likely not 100% true. And the way that the other person is seeing the situation is also not 100% true. And so maybe I go into a situation and I'm trying my absolute best. Um, I'm trying to do it with best of motives and kindness. But for some reason, I come across in a wrong way. Does that mean I should get annoyed at the other person because they didn't understand how pure hearted I was? Well, not necessarily. In other words, their it, it it's not that their perception is truth, but to them that's how they're seeing it, and so that's what it appears to be truth to them. Right. And so you have to you have to grapple with that. You have to deal with it. You can't just well they they're just not seeing things correctly. You know, forget about them. They're just being stupid. You you still have to seriously consider their perception, and not just write it off. Because that feels very real to them, and you have to somehow speak into that situation or continue acting in a kind, nice way with genuine, pure motives until they can't see it any other way. So I'm not sure if that's yeah. making sense or not, but that's something I've thought about lately. And he mentions the whole thing about that as you as you do this empathetic listening you will discover that there are huge differences in perception. Maybe people are perceiving things correctly. Maybe they're not perceiving things correctly. You kind of have to have to figure out how to deal with that difference in perception. Makes me think of the, the six blind men and the elephant poem, mm-hmm. where perception may not be that you're not seeing the truth and I am, but more that you're seeing a part of the, of the truth from this angle, I'm seeing a part of the truth from my angle, and perhaps bringing both points of views together is where we get a better idea of the truth. One thought that was pretty moving for me was toward the end. He says that the more deeply you understand other people, the more you will appreciate them the more reverent you will f- feel about them. Mm-hmm. And then he says to touch the soul of another human being is to walk on holy ground. I wasn't so, so sure about that. Like what is, what if there's someone in my life who, who has a perspective that I very much disagree with. Mm-hmm. Is it true that the more deeply I understand him, the more I will appreciate him or will <laughs> I just be, come to realize that his worldview is fundamentally opposed to mine and I simply can't appreciate him. But I think that it is maybe still from the the judging or the evaluating side and not really coming into what is making him feel this way. And I do think that empathy will lead us more often towards appreciation. I'm not willing to say that it's a <laughs> a blanket guarantee, but it's something that I want to, I want to develop in my life is appreciating people for for who they are, their perspectives, their mm-hmm. feelings, even if they're rather different from mine. To close out here, looking at the application sections, the application suggestions. One number one is one that I want to to work on. He says to pick a relationship 
where you sense an emotional bank account in the red, try to understand it, write down the situation from their point of view, and then the next time you interact with them, uh, listen for understanding, compare what you're hearing, and then try to figure out, am I really understanding this person? Mm-hmm. Something I want to try with my own family, some of my some of my children especially, to figure out, am I actually listening or am I just giving dad advice when they have problems? What about you? I had the exact same one <laughs> circled. <Okay. laughs> yeah, because I was thinking, you know, Sean's going to ask me which one I want to do. So that was the same one I circled. And that's something that I've that I was thinking about. And I'm thinking specifically about one one person that for whatever reason is a little bit unsure <laughs> about me and it's, it's not my wife by the way. <laughs> and yay. Yeah, exactly. And I, I thought about that and I this morning in preparing for this episode recording I was thinking about that and I think that I yeah, would like to to apply this exact same thing and think about what this person, what about them about me is, is a problem. Why are they unsure? Or, or maybe it's not even about me personally, but it's about maybe what I represent. So anyway, I I know I'm being terribly vague, but that's on purpose. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) That makes sense. Well, to you listeners, how do you go about listening or maybe better yet, do you know someone in your life who is a good listener? What do you think makes them a good listener? Are they empathic? How do they handle it in a in a natural way that seems genuine, that really connects with you? We'd like to hear about it. So send us an email 